57 is coming around the bend, and on it we pass a game that's set over a century ago, give our best car movies, and we peel out on a playthrough review of Automania. This is Tabcast 57. I am Fred, and I'm joined by my wife. Nicole. Nicole. Yes, Fred. What would you say is your dream car? Um, I don't know. Like, for everyday use? Or just something that would be fun to drive once and then never have to drive again? Um, I'm saying, I, I'm going to say existing or fantasy. Whatever you'd like. It doesn't answer my question at all. <laughs> Whatever you want. Okay, for day to day, I really like the car I have. Yeah. I got an Acura. I like my Acura. Right. Acura's nice. Okay. Occasionally they have some electrical issues I found, but doggone it, they're still nice. Right. But it's not exactly like the funnest car to drive because like it's it's a, it's not a stick shift for one. Right. So I don't know, like it's something with a stick shift and. I'd like to drive one of those Top Gear cars that they drive around the track that gets, you know, that they go really fast in. Just like one of those supercars? Yeah. Those are scary. It'd be fun, like yeah. once, and that's well, it. I wouldn't want to drive it all the time. I wouldn't want to own it. Right. I wouldn't want to pay the insurance <laughs> on it. Um, I, I'd pay 50 bucks to go to the track and I drive it once. I fantasy, one. though. I mean, you could have said flying car. Well, that's just stupid. I don't want that. Then I got to have a pilot's license. And I, I mean, I don't even like flying. Here's what's funny is that as long as you just fly a 3,000 pound car, all you have to do is pay $25 a year. But if you want to fly a 10,000 pound car, it's going to cost you $150 a year because you'll have to get a medical card. You'll have to have a CDL license. You'll have to. Have, oh, wait, that's just to drive a 26,000 pound truck. I found out. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, you wouldn't want a flying car? No, I don't really want a flying car. It's I mean, too uh, much responsibility. I don't need that kind of pressure. Up, up front, I really... I mean, they were right on the cusp of this. Up front, I just want my self-driving car. Yeah. I, and this is ridiculous because I actually don't mind driving. But if I I'm hate, like, oh, man, when I you get out driving. in the middle of, of Kansas... Okay, that, that would be nice for the self-driving car. Wouldn't it be nice car? if we could... I, I mean, and right now, they keep talking about self-driving cars as if they're like, you know... Got to keep your hands on the wheel and got to basically still drive. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, boy, thanks like, for an empty promise. There should be like like <laughs> a middle ground between the two. Right. Like a car that you drive 99% of the time. Right. Until you get on certain, you know, just th <clears throat> throughways like across Kansas. Who really cares? Put me in the self-driving lane. But it should be a good enough thing at that point that I don't have to drive. It just goes. Right. Until we run out of road and then I need to start paying attention again. I don't know. It's Kansas. Right now, I don't like it. Right now, it's it's an empty promise. Well, yeah, because they keep crashing into each other and other things, and other people crash into them, right. and people. I still, fall I still asleep. wonder. This is the this is the truth as well. I still wonder how your car would handle icy roads. Like how My would car? Auto, like auto auto driving cars? Oh, geez, not well. I'm sure. Right. Because I mean, it's a fine touch you have to have on ice. 
to... There's a lot to it. Yeah, there's a lot to but it. But with, like, digital differentials and stuff, wouldn't it be able to drive itself and, and adjust for it? Like I don't think so. I've seen digital differentials that the car cannot spin out. It just won't allow it. Well, yeah, but it's not going to, like, know where the, where the, like... I don't know. I don't think so. I think it's just... I think you have to have some finesse to drive on ice. Right, right. Which a robot does not have. So you, 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 you're perfectly happy with the car you have. I like my car. I, I like a quieter car. I, I have than a light, my car? Well, no, than mine. Oh, yeah, yours is loud. And my, mine's bumpy and it's loud. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's loud road noise. When I say loud, I don't mean the engine's loud. I mean the road noise coming out of the tires and stuff is. And I know you can get different tires and all that. But mine's just bumpy and lumpy and it's, it drives really rough. But it's, it's because it's a, it's a Lancer Evolution, you know? Right. It's a, it's a sporty car. Right. It's stiff. It's meant to <laughs> drive sporty-like. Like I said, I think I, I think I overcompensated for my light pickup truck that I had before. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I, on the other hand, got a little RDX, so, so it's I want, like I want, a little tiny SUV. I, ideally, I want a quiet car that drives itself and allows me to play games on my iPad on the way to work. That's what I want. <laughs> Not in your Lancer. <laughs> but enough about this driving around, Nicole. Okay. Let's find out what Done got played. Done talking about that. Oh. We like to game with gods, we like to game with dice, so this is what we say. But when the chips were gone and the sun came up, hey, let's see what God played. All right, Nicole. Yeah, Fred. First thing we played, and you and I played this together, we played a game called Dick. We did. We played that with my mother and her boyfriend. <laughs> uh, this game is based on the, it's a card game in the vein of uh, Cards Against Humanity or Apples to Apples, and it's based on the book Moby Dick. It's not based on the book Moby <clears throat> Dick. That's to say that it was, you know, something about a story about a whale. All it of the answer me cards this in game. this entire game are, are from the book. from the book and have a quote on them that, that says, you know, here's where the quote is. Right. You know, and it, it actually tells you, tells you exactly where to find it in Moby Dick. Yeah, what the chapter. The entire game is what, based around Moby Dick. It tells you what chapter it's in. It doesn't right. tell you, like, what page, because not all books <clears throat> are the same pa- amount of pages. Right. If now, it's different edition. in case you don't know what an apples to apples uh, game is, it's sort of like there is a topic or some sort of setup statement or or an, or question that you have to sort of play answer cards to. Right. And everybody plays a card out of their hand of cards, which is limited to whatever, you know, the hand size is. And they try to pick the best one that would suit or entertain or in some way, you know, make the person who's judging that turn, who drew the the other card, the opposite card to pick their card. Right. So you try to have like a little bit of empathy there and try to make them go, oh, yeah, that's what I want. And this is the same kind of thing, mm-hmm. almost exactly the same, except totally that all exactly the, the same, except the topic card is not from Moby Dick. No, the topic card is just something made up. Right. It'll it'll be something like at this year's consumer electronics show. I was surprised when I found out that. And then you play some quote from Moby Dick. Right. You know, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. It is funny, you know, right. because of it. Um, I think it's I think it was funnier than I expected. I thought it was as funny as I expected. I expected that it would be pretty funny because we'd uh, heard someone else play it once before. So we kind of had an expe- uh, knew a, um, right. what to expect with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, some of the quotes in Moby Dick are just like, what? They just well, don't make a whole lot of sense already. They're, uh, it's, not, it's not politically correct oh, at all. Oh, no, it's not. 
<laughs> and uh, what's his name? Melville. Mm-hmm. He he uh, he was kind of joking when he wrote a lot of it. Turns out he, he had kind of a sense of humor and he would purposely write these ridiculous kind of things in there and, and these ridiculous strings or phrases of words, you know. Yeah. And they're not politically correct at all. No. And in fact, they show, you know, they're a sign of the time that he wrote it in, which was like, I think the 1800s or something. I don't know what year. I did not look. Either but way. I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. And if you don't know, Moby Dick is just a story about this guy who decides to go after he's a whaler so he's out on ships and he kills whales and harvests blubber and oil and stuff out of whales which is what you do (laughs) and (laughs) he uh finds an albino whale and he decides that it's his mission to kill this whale well this whale's massive and ridiculously aggressive and so it becomes this sort of folly folly's errand you know to go after this whale and it becomes all consuming for him he just Pretty mad. Captain Ahab's pretty mad, I think, during the book. Have you ever read the whole book? No. But I, you know what I like? I always like what? the Tom and Jerry version of it, Dickie Moe. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. Tom ends up tied to the side of the whale by the end of it, <laughs> Dickie Moe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I said, I thought it was funnier and expected, even though, I mean, because there are, there, there, let's just get get it out of the way. There's very explicit statements, and there's there's quite a bit of racism in it. Yeah, that's that's the one thing I'll warn people about is that this is this is a sign of the time. So he was sort of you know sort of a racist, and they included those crazy quotes in this game. So you yeah. just have to brace yourself for that. Uh, it's not as explicit as Cards Against Humanity, but it probably was for the time. <laughs> you know, definitely. Um, but not not bad, not bad. No, it was pretty fun though. Um, if you have like people who read a lot, this would be a good variation for them. They would like it. But they still, you still got to be able to be okay with like toilet humor. If you want to play it in English class. <laughs> no, don't, don't do it. Don't let him College English. No. Dang it. No. <laughs> don't play it, Nick. No. Don't play it in school. <laughs> no. All right. Well, that's Dick. And it was, it was pretty fun. Was Not fun. bad. Um, the next one, well, we're just going to go back to back with these because we played another one. At that my is house. just like apples to apples for the most part. Again, mm-hmm. except this one's called joking hazard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the difference between that is there's something there's a comic strip. What is it called? Cyanide and something. Cyanide and happiness, isn't it? Right, something like that. There's a comic strip, I guess, online called Cyanide and Happiness, and this is characters mm-hmm. and now panels. I gotta go look. These are panels taken straight out of that. Did you take it upstairs? No, it's oh, yeah, I did. Doggone it, Frederick. Don't worry about it. Um, this one has comic strip panels taken directly from that comic strip and it's, they're sort of all taken out of context because they're just sort of individual panels. And in this one, cyanide and happiness is. in this one, you, uh, you have, you have a, a comic strip panel that you pull out and the person who's the judge gets to decide if this is going to be the, what is it? The first one or the second one? Is that how it played? That's how you said it played. Yeah. That seemed weird. So you get to decide whether it's the first panel on the strip or it's the second panel on the strip. And then other people... Oh, and then you do... You, what well, is no, it? Well, they, no, they, you draw one card. <clears throat> right. And then you get to take one out of your hand and decide if it's the right. first one or the second one. Okay. And then everybody else has to has to play theirs to be the last one. Is that what it is? That's what it was. Okay. So you just decide. You, you, you pull one out of the deck randomly. So you do have, like, as the judge, you're randomly, you know, creating cards together. So you can't even really control it too much. But it's up to everybody else to sort of make the punchline for the whole thing. Right. Um, 
there was some cards that varied that where you could, uh, where the other people got to choose, a, you know, two panels. You pulled one out randomly, that automatically became the punchline, and they had to choose the two that led up to it. Right. That was the variation, which was always terrible because of the judge in this game. The reason I kind of liked it is as the judge in most of these games, you get zero creativity, zero fun. You just flip the card and all you get to do is just, I guess the fun is you get to judge read the what joke. what people did, yeah. yeah what you get said. to read the joke and most of the time, there's a lot of times they're, they're pretty bad and they're not fun to read. <laughs> right. But in this case, you get to actually play a card. Yeah, you get to on participate. The turn, which is really neat. Yeah. Um, this one, um, very adult as well. Definitely. This one is right in the same vein as Cards Against Humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got a lot of like curse words on the actual cards in the panels. I guess it's a very adult comic strip online. Um, it would almost have to be. I mean, it's just like <clears throat> little, they're almost stick figures practically. Right. This one, um, I, I found it pretty funny. Mm-hmm. And and the reason I had this this was so funny is some of these strips don't have any words, and I found a lot of the ones where they were just this reaction depiction were were just as funny as when you found the right wording, you know, because mm-hmm. sometimes they had the right wording, and sometimes you would just have some r- ridiculous reaction that was almost irreverent, and that's what was so funny about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, if I was if someone was going to say, "Do you want to play Cards Against Humanity?" I, I at this point, I'm not even kidding. I would recommend Joking Hazard to them over that. I have more fun playing that than cards. Well, I think part of it is <clears throat> it's going to take a lot longer to memorize all those cards. Right, <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, a lot of the punchlines in in Cards Against Humanity, like we were talking about it at work, you know, because right. it's the game everybody knows. Yeah, and you know. We were talking about having those trump cards where if you play this card, you know you're going to win. And for all of us, it, right. like not even having to bring out the game, we we would, you know, we were all like, oh, what about that card? Yes, it's exactly the card I was thinking of, which I'm not right. going to mention on right now. No. But, I mean, you does just, it everybody knows. Does little people in a pail? It does. And we're not, <laughs> we're not even going to talk about it. So, um, <laughs> but that's always the one that comes up. Everybody's like. Oh, the not block card. And it's like, yep, mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, Why does you that get stick that with everybody so much? I don't so know, because it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous notion. So it sticks with everybody. It's a trump card. It's one that everybody remembers. If you have that card, you're going to It doesn't trump me win. when I do it. I'm, I'm looking it's, for clever. Well, it's still, when it finally gets played, it's usually a fairly clever playment of it. Right. Anyhow, not the point. The point is... With the little cartoons, it's it's a little more. It's a definitely different creativity level. So, like I said, cool. it was it was. I found it a lot more fun, unless all I did was flip the card and go, "Oh, it's a, one of those two cards ones." Right. So, I mean, personally, I would almost rather r- remove those the double play cards from the entire game. Well, you don't have to use them as right. a double play card. That, that's what I'm just, saying. I think if we played again, I would remove them because it you don't it have to take seriously them out. stifled my. You fun. just ignore that it's red. Yeah. Well, why create work when you can just it's ignore it? It's not that it? much work. You're weird. I don't ignore things very well. Uh, like I said, I think I would I would actually say Joking Hazard is better than Cards Against Humanity, to me personally. Okay. There's not going to be... I don't think there's going to be as many as expansions for this, because I think they have limited source material, not just every naughty phrase you can think of. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but I think I think it played a lot funnier, if you want... If you have that... If you want an adult-type game, uh, very adult, and... You want it to play a little bit, little bit more fun all the different. time, or at least consistently 
like feel consistent even when you're the judge. Uh, Joking Hazard is a pretty good choice. Okay. I agree. I like it. All right. To an actual game. Here we go. Actual game. (laughs) An actual game, not just a pastime. Right, because both those games, I'm going to be honest, both those are sort of activities to play with other people. You make a bunch of, you know, Mad Lib jokes. You keep score so you can have a stopping point, basically. You make a bunch of Mad Lib jokes and then you just play them for a while. So, So moving right along. This is an actual game we played. We played this we played twice. A real game, a real we played live game. World's Fair 1893. Mm-hmm. Now this is a game that we had on one of our votes, and people didn't vote. Well, somebody like voted. one person voted for this. Yeah, they were wrong. It's a good game. This game's good. It's really good. It was like this is one of these games that came out last year, and I kept just seeing on people's lists mm-hmm. as as really good. And maybe they just didn't vote for it because they already had it and they already knew it was good. Maybe they just knew that it was going to be very mechanical and not a lot to talk about. It's fun. It's fun. Uh, this is a this is the World's Fair, eighteen ninety three, and you are you're trying to get sets. Basically, the whole point of the game is trying to score points and get sets of these uh, tokens to do it. Mm-hmm. And these tokens are represent uh, projects that have been approved or or uh, exhibitions that have been approved. And so the you've got this Ferris wheels like a uh, track that tracks the turns every round, and you have a turn marker, and then you have round marker at the bottom, and around this Ferris wheel you place these five different types of exhibits, and there's stuff like uh, agriculture and arts mm-hmm. and transportation or whatever. You know, there's like these five different types of of exhibitions that you can do better known as yellow white <coughs> green red and blue right if you're playing the game you're going to say <laughs> that you're not going to say these other things right uh but then you place these cards down and the cards come in three different varieties they have these ticket cards that uh they have uh, exhibition cards which are color coded just like the exhibitions around the thing but they're not necessarily going to be played on the space that they represent right uh and also you have these uh important individual kind of you know people and these give you special effects on at the start of your turn. When you have one of those, you would so basically every turn you're going to place an influence little cube or something like that onto one of these five spaces around the Ferris wheel. Mm-hmm. And when you do, you pick up all the cards that are on currently underneath that space. Now there is a limitation to how many cards you can have on that space. Uh, it's usually three or four cards. Right. So you're going to pick up three or four cards, up to three or four up cards. Up to yeah, because sometimes it'll only be one <clears throat> card, but you want that space. After you take those, all those cards go into your hand. And then you're going to get three cards off of the draw pile, and you're going to play one down in the space you just played. Uh, you just pick, you know, played a cube two, and then you're going to pick, put one on each next of the next two spaces. The two next exhibits, right? Uh, in a, in the circ in a clockwise fashion around the Ferris wheel, right? Because a Ferris wheel <coughs> keeps going the same direction, right? Um, at this point, whatever card you get is going to affect your, your game. Because, like, okay, so the one of the cards could be the ticket card. The ticket card is going to move the little turn marker one space around the Ferris wheel. And they have a little chip that you can put into it that varies how many spaces are on it based on how many players there are. Because when that little chip goes all the way around the Ferris wheel and returns to the beginning, you've entered one round, and there are three rounds in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing you get is, like, if you get an important person, those usually allow you to place extra cubes down in some sort of fashion, like you place two down wherever you placed a cube instead of one, or you can you place one down wherever you want, and you can place one anywhere else on the 
wheel that you want, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Or you place one down where you are, and you place one on each side of it or something like or one to either side of it, you know? Right. So there's all these variants of, of cube placement is mostly what come out of those important people. The third type of card is that that exhibition card, and that you save until the end of the round. Because on those, you're trying to you're trying to have like a you're trying to turn them in at the end of rounds by by being the person who has the most influence on a space, like one of those five different spaces. Right. You so when you're when you're putting the cubes down, they're going either onto the the red, green, blue, white, or yellow. Right. At the end of the round, if you have the most cubes on the white space per se, mm-hmm. then all of the white cards that you have accumulated. You get a token for each of those. Um, if you have the second most, you get like well, it's one not less. Each of them, it's up to up for up three to three of them. If and you're if, the first place, two right. or like one. If you're the second place, and if and you're the, nothing for beyond that. Well, no, no, no. I take that back because let me go into scoring here because this is okay. kind of cool. Because after you after you get all the way around that Ferris wheel, you stop and everybody has their sets of cards and they all you know they've have cubes all over all these places and they put them all over trying to collect cards because what's interesting about that card reload is that you're kind of making other spaces more enticing that someone might play it, not play on because they need those cards. And it kind of makes, it kind of keeps that very, you know, that spread of cubes around the Ferris wheel even. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, when you go into scoring at the end of the turn, you take the person who has the most tickets gets two coins for having the most tickets. And then everyone, including the person who, who had the most tickets gets one coin for every single ticket and they all discard those. Then the next thing you do is you score the, the ex- exhibitions and you go around to each exhibition spot and you count how many cubes there is. The first player will get to to do three cards and they also get a four point little ribbon mm-hmm. that's that's just worth four points at the end of the game. The second right. player gets a two two point ribbon and they get to do one card. They get to turn one card into a token. And the the third place only all he gets to do is turn one card into a token and gets no points. Right. Uh, turning cards into tokens is important because at the end of the game. You try to build sets of tokens, and there's five colors. So one set is one of each of five colors, mm-hmm. and that's like worth 15 points. And then you can have a set of four, you can have a set of three, a set of two, and then one is worth one, you know. So mm-hmm. it kind of goes down. Two is worth three, three is worth five, four is worth like nine or something like that. So it goes up pretty fast when you have that fifth one, but that's hard to get, I found. It's very hard <clears> to get. So you do, I mean, you go around the board three times doing this little card kind of thing, and and, and exchanging, you know, after the turn, exchanging cards for tokens and trying to win rounds and get little victory ribbons. And at the end of the game, you just total up all your chip sets and your money is worth one point per coin. And plus you your little plus ribbons. your little ribbons and you the person who has the most wins. Right. <coughs> this game's cool. I thought so, too. It plays really well. Mm-hmm. Theme it wise, I, it well. means nothing. Well, you got, I appreciate, you got cool the, I appreciate the theme wheel. that they put on it because, yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. <clears throat> right. It makes it all make sense. Could they have put a different theme on there and have it work just as well? Probably for any kind of something that goes in a circle. Well, what's, I mean, what's have, interesting? You could have maybe done baseball even. But. And, and I didn't look this up. I probably should have. But they have all the exhibit cards do have exhibits on them. And I'm right. sure that they were actual exhibits from the 1893 World's Fair. Yeah, they were. That was the point. So it, it's, it's kind of interesting getting to see, like, you know, these. this is a car exhibit, you know. And right. It's, it's pretty cool. Or talk about, the, one of them was like the moving sidewalks or something. Right. The statues from Mongolia or whatever. And yeah. That's just some weird stuff. Because there's there. a, lot of, a lot of art stuff in there. <laughs> So right, uh, pretty good game though. I mean, and it, I don't think it's really expensive. I think it's like mid thirties on Amazon. Yeah, 
and this is a this is a solid a solid game to play and it doesn't get too deep into a theme that makes people uncomfortable i don't it's, see it's kind of i mean it's pretty the the artwork on it's nice the components are actually pretty good uh, right. good quality and the board itself the way that it's done i think is extremely well done and unique right because like you said it's it, there's like a the Ferris wheel on there with a certain number of spots. Right. Well, <coughs> excuse me. If you have four players playing, mm-hmm. then you use one side of the Ferris wheel. If you only have two players playing, you use the other side of the Ferris wheel. Right. And then there's also a little missing token piece that kind of bridges the, t- like the top of the Ferris wheel is missing. Right. So if you have three players, you'll use the two player side of the Ferris wheel, but you'll put the three player side of the, the bridge, the little top of it. Right. And if it's four, then you use the four side and the four side of both. Right. So it scales for no matter how many players that you're playing from two to four. Now we we got to really play cool. this. We got to play this both four player and two player, and yeah. I found both of them felt very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the game times out in about forty five minutes to an hour. It seemed right about that. Yeah. Our learning game took an hour and twenty, I think. But if we had played, well, that we were again, reading been, stuff too. We were reading all the hour. cards and things, and right. Um, <clears throat> that's World's Fair 1893, and I, I, it's a, I think it's a solid game. I think it's a, it's a great, uh, you know, like I said, great theme with histor with, with history in it. So you, you're not going to scare people off with this, and you'll be able to get people that don't normally play games like this. And and once you get that, once you get the couple like couple of rules explained to people, I mean, I, th- I don't see why you'd have a problem playing this with like your your your, your relatives, you know, you know. It's mom a pretty and dad and easy stuff, game know? to grasp overall. Right. Um, after like I said, after about you know half a round, you kind of you kind of have it. Now the mm-hmm. strategy, on the other hand, it takes a lot longer to master that because you really are having to plan ahead. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Um. Because you may be putting your cubes down where I know I need those red cards so I can complete my, I've got blue, I've got green, I've got all the other colors, but I don't have any red cards at all. So you're trying to get those red cards and fine, great, now I get some red cards. But if you don't end up having the most influence in that red area, Uh you don't get to turn any of them in. Right. It doesn't help you at all. Right to to have the, the, all the red cards in the world. Right, and that's and like a really interesting strategy. Well, and there's there's moments in the game where you're looking at the other player and you're like, I can make their fifteen points, nine points, as mm-hmm. long as I throw another cube down in this space, I can stop them from getting that next set or getting their first set or whatever. Right. So there's there is a little bit to it, which was a little harder with the four player to recognize <laughs> who had what. Right, just because you're spread out, further out across the table. But with the two-player, I know I kept trying to block you from the blue ones and right. not let you have any blue at all. Right. It was cool. It blue. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, uh, World's Fair 1893, I recommend this. I think it's cool. Me too. Uh, Highly recommend it. Nice, nice basic game to play with people. And on that note, I'm going to open the dishwasher so we don't have a beeping noise for like the next 10 minutes. Right. Well, right more back. than that, it'll go like an hour oh, every 10 minutes crazy. for an hour. <laughs> I know. It's so quiet that I don't worry about it, and then it starts to beep. So hold on. I'll be right back. Just so you know, we got the Bosch dishwasher. <laughs> and when we walked up to the, t- the tag in the store, it said, industry-leading, quietest dishwasher, 47 decibels. Just, just so you get a sense. I, I can measure my decibels right now of what I'm talking into this microphone. I can measure this right now because I've got I got a uh, sound level meter here. The I'm talking at right now at 78, 79 <laughs> decibels, just so you know. So my dishwasher is 
almost half as quiet as I am. I guess not half because well, know, it's every three decibels is almost double the sound level. I know the the dishwasher that we had before we right. moved. Yeah. Um, it was loud enough you couldn't really watch TV very well while you did dishes. Right. Like you just can't. Right. So when we bought this house, this house was a disaster. Like <laughs> it had it was, no roof. Oh, well, the roof was had holes in it, like fist holes in it. I mean, it was awful. Um, and the kitchen had like burn marks on the ceiling. What are you and telling gunk. about this stuff? For? I'm telling because there's a point. Podcast, right, you know right. That, right. I know. I know. Listen. <laughs> so we ended up having to gut the kitchen because there was just crap on the floor and burn marks. She doesn't mean actual feces. It might have been. I not. do not know. It was disgusting. So <laughs> disgusting. We put a brand new kitchen into this house. So it's like, you know what? I'm going to get me a really nice dishwasher. That thing's been running the whole time we've been recording. And you couldn't even tell until it started to beep. Right. So back to the podcast. I'm just saying. (laughs) Look, you got to talk about it. I was vamping while you went in the other room. Well, I'm back now. All right. Anyways. Mysterium iOS. Oh, God. We should have talked about this while I was gone. I didn't play it. Mysterium I iOS. Care about my kitchen. Girl who takes part in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you guys didn't know, we tried to play Mysterium on our podcast um, a year, year and three months ago, and we recorded ourselves playing it, and we messed up the rules really bad, and we made it much harder than it should have Fred been. Fred messed up the rules really Whatever. bad. You guys all had access to the same rules I did. And we did not make it harder than it should have been. Yeah, we did. We still guessed. I'm saying that we made the game harder than it should have been by the normal rules. Mm. And we still succeeded. Mm-hmm. And so after that, it was kind of like none of us really had a great time playing it. We were kind of like no. the production's really nice. We don't like this that much. So we got rid of it. Right. So I saw that they put the iOS version on sale for $3 the other day. So I was like... Three bucks. Yeah, I'll try it. Whatever. So yeah, I, I hated this. I think I'll spend three dollars. Did that really taste that bad? <laughs> <laughs> Let me have another bite of that. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It's not bad. It's it's okay. It's it's not a bad production. I'll say the production once again, just like the board game, is pretty good for the iOS. Right. Um, the computer. I I did the I did the first round, the novice round, and the computer hints were dead on. Like, it really did a great job at telling me exactly where I needed to go, and I could make a connection somehow almost every time. Right. However, okay, so let me let me just get into this, because people might not know what Mysterium is. Mysterium is one player, and when you're playing the board game of this, one player plays the ghost, and everyone else plays psychics. And in when you're playing the ghost, you're giving out these hint cards that relate to a series of cards in, in rows across the board. And you start at the bottom row, and whoever gets their hints right, they get uh, they get to move forward, and whoever gets their hints wrong has to stay at that certain row and guess again. And they only have a certain number of chances to get through get a card right in each of these three rows. And then you go into a final round with everyone where you get them to guess which of these actual rows was the one you were referring to. Right. And that's how the game's played. And this is the same thing. The computer, you know, goes through every row and I just seem to walk right up it. But then when I got to the finale of the second level of difficulty, he gave me a card that made no sense and I couldn't figure out who was what and I picked the wrong one and lost. But I I, I didn't have a bad time. I I would say if you like Mysterium at home and you have an iOS device and you want to go out and, you know, 
if you, if you don't mind playing board games on your phone, this is a nice little guessing game where people give you hints in cards that are styled like, uh, oh, Dixit, you know? So it's like this real abstract art card, and you try to make a connection between a person on the table mm-hmm. who has a collage of items around their little portrait and this abstract piece of art, you know? Right. <laughs> and sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's not. And, and as a ghost, the fun thing is on, in the board game, as the ghost, you're trying to make these connections with your card, and everything is timed. So you have like, you know, an hourglass little sand timer that you're flipping over and you're moving cards around and trying to get everyone to guess within a certain amount of time. And that's that's all cool. I don't regret personally getting rid of the full game. I still don't. (laughs) No, me either. That being said, I really don't regret buying the iOS one. I've played it a couple times. It plays really fast compared mm-hmm. to the big sized game. I can, I mean, I, I get the experience time. The problem out of is, it. you never get to be the ghost. You can be the ghost. You can play online. Oh. And be the ghost if you want to. Faced. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, iOS Mysterium. Okay, not too Did bad. Did you play it online? I have not played it online yet. Oh, now, so you have to. No, but today in Bloodborne. I, 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 this is so funny because I, okay, I, I've got a PlayStation 4 and I play, I'm playing this game called Bloodborne, which is, is, it's a, you know, ridiculously difficult game. And it's a grindy kind of murder you game, you know? And there's this bell I got and I didn't know what it was. And I was walking along and there was a little glowing space on the ground and I walked up to it and it was like, ring the old such and such bell. And I was like, sure, ding-a-ling-a-ling. And then all of a sudden this guy joins my game and we're running around slashing stuff together. And I was like, hey, this is really cool. And then I died. And then he was gone. So it was just some random dude? I'm telling you, he tried to attack me several times thinking that I was like against him. So I was like, did you read the message that was going on (laughs) (laughs) when I rang that bell? That's but, weird. Yeah, it was really strange. I was like, I adventured with somebody for like five seconds. I don't even have PlayStation Plus. Anyways, we're not even talking about that. But it is a game at we least. We keep going on tangents. <laughs> you know Yours what? is a little more interesting than my dishwasher talk. But still, I right. like my new kitchen. So there you go. Well, there you go. Her new kitchen was a game she liked to play. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole. What? We play a lot of games. And you had a peaked interest question. So let's just go into peaked interest right now. Oh, crap. Oh, okay. <sighs> Wow, would you look at that? Magnificent. Here are some peaked interests. All right, Nicole. I didn't know we were doing this tonight. This is what you asked. Ugh. Doesn't matter. You asked, what makes a rule book great or terrible? If you had to write one, what would you include and what would you never want to see? That's what you asked the guild. I know. And that was I like about that was it. a couple of weeks ago. That was the first time I got sick. Then I got sick again. <clears throat> well, Had to good take news four is four days off of work. I don't went care. Went to the doctor. I don't care. Was on drugs no. to try and get better. Look, lady, I have heard all your crying for weeks was on end. Was too sick to play a video game. I have heard your crying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's what your crying has got you. She, you also asked, and also, which games have the best and worst rule books? Okay, so here we go. Because <laughs> Jeff jumped in, and he said, I'm partial to rule books that include brief summaries and or examples of rules in the margins. For example, Bora Bora. Or uh, what's, what's another one? <coughs> Race for the Galaxy. Yeah. That one has that it, too. too. Uh, There's so, a couple of felt <clears throat> games that do that. 
That's not Phil. I know that's not Phil, but Bora Bora is. Right. These are Rio Grande. Rio Grande's design has that. Is that what that is? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, He says, so after the initial rules read through, you can skip around for general ideas. And he also likes an index, at least in the bigger, more dense manuals. He thinks graphic of the board setup can be handy, too, including a view of the player boards. Uh, He said, if I put one together, I'd include those items. He uh, he likes the Alia uh, Ravensburger and Z-Man games rule books from his, what he's experienced. I don't. I mean, I can't speak to Z-Man rules or Ravensburger rules, but I, I know I I, like I know puzzles. specifically that some of the Rio Grande games have that uh, that margin. It's inside. It's at the spine of each page, isn't it? I think it's on the outside of each page, isn't it? I think it's on Maybe the it inside, matter. in the very middle. I, I don't think it spine. matters. But it, like it gives you it gives you like a quick summary of what they're saying on the page. And if you if you've played it recently enough, you can just scan it. And if you don't know, you know exactly where you're at. So you just jump over and get the details and pop back over and go, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And it does help you quite a bit. That yeah, is a those good are idea. Good. Does help. <clears throat> so Rincewind added 100 percent agree, <laughs> I guess, with Jeff. Summary. There, that's pepper mm-hmm. right there. More than 42 decibels. <laughs> Uh, summary, bullet points, overview, up front. A simplified example would be something like, number one, set up the game like so. Number two, players attack if they can. Number three, bad guys attack if they can. Number four, players move. Number five, bad guys move. Number six, if this specified end condition isn't met, then go back to step two. Number seven, end scoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I don't mind. He says, and the rest of the manual could be more detail on each bullet point in the sequence. A glossary index of terms is helpful as well. Um, I, you know, I think most player books have that. And in fact, I expect Ugh. that le- that level on the back page of the manual so I can lay it unopened on the table next to me and, and reference see. it. Yeah, but they and, don't always have right. that. It's either that or you include a card. Period. I like the cards, too. Cards are great references right. for, you know, player turn order. Right. But for just general details, they don't always go by that that method, right. and, and they need to. So uh, Brendan also chimed in. He was the final person. He said, rule book writing is hard. Now, hmm. he, I think he does write rule books. He's probably working well, on something. I took one whole semester of tech writing, which makes me not even close to an, ex- an expert. Right. So anyhow, I'll let you continue. <laughs> Back to the experts. <laughs> there are a couple things that I really like in a rule book. He says, one, it should be easy to figure out what game end win conditions are and the basic idea of what you have to do to get to them. This should be one of the first things you find in the book. He says there needs to be a good index. He really likes when the rule book uh, works to make rules clear by the way of theme. Uh, It helps make the game more immersive and helps you remember the rules. Uh, He says, all all right. Uh, He says that's where he stops. Now, I I was thinking about the ones that do that. The, uh, (laughs) you know, the one, the ones that, uh, that do that are like uh, Dungeon Lords does that. They they haven't played that one yet. I know, but they've got goofy stuff. And I, I, like, I'm over there, I'm looking at uh, Space Alert right now. And Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a Vlada Cavadal game. And there it is right there. He starts, he starts off being goofy, like you're going through a training simulation at the Space Academy. <laughs> and so, it's, I mean, I'm already, I, like I, start, I started reading it and I was like, I don't have enough time to finish this. So I didn't, didn't get too far, but he does that. He's, he's notorious for doing that. So let me just say, personally, <laughs> I really like the current Fantasy Flight system. Mm-hmm. And that is that uh, 
Though this system is used by other companies before they adopted it, I really like this. And that is the combination of two rule books. One is the learn how to play this, which takes you uh, from completely cold to educated in a simple sort of step-by-step method of doing it. And then they follow that with a rules reference book that elaborates on that or expands on those basic rules. And it's organized like in a glossary format. You know, it's alphabetized and it's by topic. Sometimes the topic titles get a little confusing about what they're talking about. And you're like, well, why'd they say, why'd they have to make a separate section from fighting and make it sword fighting? You know, so you might be like, I went to fighting because I thought that that's sword fighting would be covered under fighting. So there is moments like that Mm -hmm. in there when you're trying to get some clarification. But honestly, it makes referencing the rules so fast to have an alphabetized book that just tells you what the section is you need to go to and gives you that paragraph. It's so fast. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I really like that. Um, It seems to get you playing really quickly, too. It seems to give you just the bare bones and get that game on the table and get it started right now. And you just kind of follow through it step by step, and you're there. And it, it seems to go pretty quick. Like, in the amount of time that I would normally read a rule book and not play the game at all, I will have already played the first round of the game. Okay. That's how it goes for me, at least. <clears throat> um, all the guys here mentioned bullet points. Yeah. Um, I think those really help when relearning uh, if you haven't played in a while. But I, I still prefer like someone just like holding my hand like a child and giving me the basic idea in a learn to play book. I really do. So because the bullet points won't do me any good after, if I haven't played the game in like the last month or two. They just uh, they'll defy me. I'll be like, I kind of remember how that works, and then I'll play it wrong if I don't elaborate on it by reading the normal rule book. Um, of course, there, there is, like, a, like I said before, the turn breakdown is a must in every single rule book. Right, yeah. I think, and like I said, I really think that there should be a poker-sized card just put into the deck. If you have a deck of cards, it doesn't cost you that much more to put a single reference card together for each player like we just we just played a game the other day with Matt and Brianna and everybody had their own card so they could look up their their turn order and stuff and you didn't have to tell them or hand them the book or stop your turn to read it. They could just read it and go through the turn themselves and that's really convenient. It is. It and helps. if you're just doing it on a card, you don't have to print out some big cardboard reference sheet and you know still put it on the back of the book why not i still think it should be on the back of the book we'll do it on the back of the book with a little bit more detail and then <laughs> right. maybe like bullet points of what page it can be found for the full rule right now the so those, that's rule. Huh. personally that's what i like okay mm-hmm. terrible rule books that were not mentioned by these guys cuz nobody mentioned anything <laughs> that was terrible i think people are afraid to like call people out on their shenanigans that that makes them not me. <laughs> um, so let me just say that I've had many rule books uh, that sort of bury specific details inside the bulk of the text and make it really hard to pull out. I would say the Robinson Crusoe first Original, edition yeah. was probably a really bad book. Uh, it was a just a Not probably it was a very it was bad like book. a detailed jumble of a lot of information. And it had so many fiddly, hidden, badly explained rules that it ruined the first couple games I had of it. Mm-hmm. It made it to the point where mm-hmm. I had to actually go mm-hmm. onto BGG and download or like uh, print out these like turn breakdowns because I couldn't find a good one in there that, that gave you all the details that you needed to do a, a proper turn breakdown. Right. We had to go to like <clears throat> a fan book. <laughs> um, 
Another pet peeve I have is a book that uh, gives you all of the rules in sort of column text. And then they have these weird little side windows that are helpful hints. And then all of a sudden, for no reason, without any designation difference, instead of just a tip, it gives you a very specific rule that's only located in that one little window. And an example of that was Imperial Settlers did that. Their book had, had a rule in a window that was reserved for tips. Like, hey, you might want to play your army cards most of the time when you want to attack the other person. That, that's what all the rest of them said. And mm-hmm. then this one said specifically, you can only play this type of card when someone else does this. Right. And it's like, boy, thanks for hiding that in a place where it's not supposed to be, you know? Consistency. Rather <laughs> so that's, inconsistency. Right. So that's yeah. that's something else. Because I skip those windows a lot when I'm reading the game at first because I want to I want to learn the game, get a good idea how to play it, and then I'll go back and look at the tips to try to make sure that I'm not like that I'm understanding the flow of the game better. Right. But I miss those things sometimes. Well, and in yeah. that game specifically, I missed a couple of rules. Um Another bad rule book was Myth First Edition. Myth First Edition, I, I, I can't really put it completely all together why it was so bad, except for I remember reading it and thinking, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to play this game? Because they were like, oh, you play it like this, you play it like that, you could play it like this, or you could play it like this too. And you're like, which one did you want me to play it like? Which is the best way to do it? Because like in a Flying Frog game, for instance, they'll say, you can play this team. You can play it cooperative. We recommend you play competitively right up front. Mm-hmm. So give me a, a little bit of guidance as a reader because I don't know where to go. I'm like, well, I want to play the best version. And they're like, play it however you want. That's the best version. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know how to pl- how I want it because I haven't played it at all. You know? So it, and, and that one just was... It was confusing. Now they've since gone back and they hired a former fantasy flight rule book writer and redid <laughs> the whole rule book. And, it, and it, it is much more accessible at this point. So do you have any ones that you want to cite out, good or bad yeah, or any particular things? I've got a couple examples of things that I think, I think if anybody <clears throat> is listening at all, one of the things that I think I don't even understand why it doesn't happen is right. you'll have a, a game with a whole lot of tokens and a whole lot of pieces and they won't put a picture of them in the book. Right. I ran into that with a fresco. <laughs> fresco, yeah. the big box. There's There are token pieces in there that never have a picture in the book. Or, or the tokens that are like, you're like, where is this even used? Like five games in and they're like, oh, yeah. it must be one of those extra ones they just put in for fun. Make your own game rule for Seriously, this piece. I wonder about that sometimes <laughs> because there, there's literally pieces that they'll have. They'll even have a components list, but it'll say, you know, it'll ha- show like a big pile right. of components. And mm-hmm. then it'll list off like four different things. So you still don't really understand which one's which until you get further into the book and it it sort of explains it. Right. So I think having pictures of all of the tokens that you're going to use, you've already got your artwork established at the point that you're going to print your book. Right. Just put an image in there. Right. It's not that hard. So a complete, complete components list with images. So just most of it not complete? No, complete. If you're going to do Kickstarter and you're going to have bonuses, you might have like a little separate (laughs) reference sheet. By the way, these special components that we included for the Kickstarter-only version look like this. Right. Because they'll change them. Mm -hmm. So now I don't know what this is, but I don't have this piece. Right. But wait, I've got this. What is this? I have no idea. 
Show me a picture. Whoa. I need to see visually what you're talking about. All so right. that's one of them. Secondly, when you're going to do a rule book and it's going to be stuff on the left side and stuff on the right side of the page. Right. Don't stop a paragraph in the middle and carry it over to the right side. 99% of the time, you're going to, well, 100% of the time, I don't know of a rule book that actually doesn't have Hold on some a second. Are you pictures. talking about imperial settlers again? No, I'm not actually. I'm talking about, Ooh. shush, I'm talking about seasons. That one <gasps> stupid rule about the turn order. Yeah. They put it on the, on one side of the page. They started with the rule, broke it down into bullet points. Continued on the next page with a different bullet point, and visually it made it seem like it wasn't part of this, it, it, that it was a, right. a continuation at a later point in the game. Right. You can't do that. Okay. Move it around. Don't, don't <laughs> ever do a paragraph split in the middle of a page. It's like you might as well have to turn a page. You just right. don't just do that. Just put another things. picture in and, and that go to is the next column. <laughs> basic book writing. Oh. You're not there's certain spots that you're not supposed to stop so that people have to turn the page. You just don't do it. I know. Like when if you have to hyphenate a word because it won't all fit. Right. You can't do that. You don't put half of a hyphenated word on one page and then make somebody turn the page. Right. It's the same thing with a paragraph, but if I'm trying to actually learn from your book, it better be easy for me to understand and visually appealing. So right. move your pictures around. You've got an image over on this side. You've got an image over on that side. Move your paragraphs and your pictures so that they all fit appropriately. Right. I'm getting worked up on this wow, one. Wow, you are. You're, I am. It's because it's, you got some fire. You're trying to teach someone how to do something without actually being there to tell them how to do it. Okay. So you have to appeal to all of the masses, the people who, who need it spelled out. You've got to have very specific language. You have to have your bullet points. Yeah. You have to have everything in the right order with all of your language. Right. But if, for the people that don't always get it off of the language, you have to have your pictures. Right. Um, with uh, what was Brendan saying about having a, what's the goal of the game? That should not necessarily be the first thing I learn. But it shouldn't necessarily be the last thing I learn. Usually. But I definitely need to know in both cases. So, hey, here's a suggestion. Put it in both spots. Put it as the very first thing I need to right. know. This game is about collecting points. Usually that's how they're organized. They're not always, usually they got Well, they, usually they've got some sort of thematic text at the front. And then they've got right after that, this is a game where you do this and the person with this wins. Sometimes. I and don't then it goes see. through the whole, then but here's do, all the components, as, here's how to set up the board. But here's, instead of saying, uh, how do you win or whatever, it'll say objective. The objective can be a million different things. My objective can be just to have fun. My objective can be to get from here to there. But to win the game, I have to be the one that gets there first with the mo- most points. I'm trying to think of a game where it, it where it's... They don't do that. And the only only one I can come up with is Agents of Smirsh has it like <clears throat> halfway down the page after a couple of other things that tells you specifically what you're going for. Mm. But it's it's not it's not clear where exactly it is. You just sort of read and stumble into it as you're starting the game. Yeah. I don't know. One of the the rule books that I think I liked the most though was uh actually uh Steampark. Yeah. That one was well done in the sense that it it was entertaining to read right. because they added in some some jokes and stuff, which was kind of fun for that. I mean, it's a really, really super lightweight game. Yeah. So this is not something that you could do in a game like Myth or something. Um, but for such a lightweight game, they made it, you know, uh, entertaining to read over. But they also made it so that the first parts that you read are the most basic portions of the game. 
and you can play it just with that. And then right. some of the things that might be a little more compl- uh, compl- complicated about the game, mm-hmm. they made them as, uh, uh, what's the word? Advanced rules? Kind of, but they didn't really spe- specifically call them <clears throat> advanced rules, just extra rules, you know? Right. Once you feel comfortable, try it like this. Right. Um, like with the bonus cards and stuff. Mm-hmm. The bonus cards are not required in the game, and so they explain it without that and then add it in later, which was kind of nice right? Um, because it baby-stepped you through it. It was mm-hmm. kind of like learning a video game. They don't throw you in the head first and, and have you have all the spells and right. all the fighting abilities. They kind of like start you off with, here's an axe. Right, here's a good example of that axe. is uh, Mechs versus Minions. Yeah. Designed by a Absolutely. video game company. And they play, when you play those missions, you play them... You know, this teaches you rules one through ten. Right. The next mission is going to keep playing one through ten, but you're also going to learn, you know, eleven through fourteen. Right. You know, and they just sort of like work work your way up, and it becomes more interesting. The game's already interesting at one through ten, but then it becomes more interesting as you keep playing. And that's something <clears> you can do with that type of game because you do have specific missions, and and you change up the board and stuff like that. So it makes sense. Right. Some other games you wouldn't necessarily be able to to handle it like that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Uh, but those things are kind of cool too. So, anyhow, what that's, else you that's got? my soapbox. I don't Is that know. It? I don't. Well, I wasn't really all that prepared because, like I said, I've been delusional with fever. And well, Nicole, here's what I'll say: <laughs> Good rule books are the ones that you don't really think about. You're just playing the game. You think about the game. You don't ever remember the rule book. So obviously, the more complex the game, the more necessary the rule book. But most games rely uh, or relay the information well enough that I can play and reference well enough that I don't even notice. I mean, there's only like a few examples. That's the good news about all of this to me personally. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in my opinion, rule books, though, are as important as the game itself. Yeah, because without them, you don't know how to play the stupid game, and it just becomes a big hunk of paperweight cardboard. They're the gateway to the entire experience, and without them, the whole thing fails. So when you're making a game, you have to, that has to be top of, of, I mean, it has to be right there in line with making the game interesting and fun. Mm -hmm. Has to be relaying that information to someone else. It really does. Uh, But this week, Nicole, we play a game with a good rule book. And it's about making cars, but let's find out what about that. All these games have been All right, Nicole. You're just complaining that we watched a video and didn't just read the rule book, but honestly, the video was bad and the rule book was fine. <laughs> The video didn't teach me how to play the game. I ended the video once again going, where's that rule book so I can learn how to play this game? <laughs> That's how it goes every single time. That's what happened. So anyways, uh, we played, a, you know, we played this game about car manufacturing. And what did you want to do as a what about that, Nicole? Top five car movies. All right. Now, my I like movies. My top five car movies are on your notes. Do not look at them. You just did. Why would you tell me they're on your notes? Don't look at them. Do you have your top five? I do on my phone. Hmm. Okay. Now, this is this is car centric movies. Okay. That's what we're doing. Okay. You didn't mess that up, did you? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> okay. I, well, not really. What's your number five? My number five is a bit of a cheat. <laughs> See, you've already messed this up before we've even started. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, what is it? Speed. 
Speed. But it's kind of, it's a bus, not a car. <laughs> That's a bus-centric movie. But I don't care. It's so good. <laughs> you love Speed. I love Speed. Ah, I don't even know what I think about Keanu it. Keanu Reeves and I know what's her Kung face? Fu. What's her name? What is her name? I don't know. <laughs> you do know, though. <laughs> I don't know. What's, what's her name? Sandra Bullock. Oh, okay. Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves in a Dennis bus. Dennis Hopper. That has a bomb on it, and they have to stay over 55 miles an hour. And a bus is an unruly vehicle. Oh, yeah. No, a bus sucks. So they kind of clear off the highways and start doing loops or something, don't they? Well, they end up going to the airport. Not to spoiler alert. Oh, we ruined the movie. No, we didn't. (laughs) What do you do? Shoot the hostage. (laughs) It's like, I say that all the time. What do you do, man? Anytime people say, what are you going to do? I'll say, shoot the hostage. (laughs) Oh, come on. It's a good movie. (laughs) Right. My number five is Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, no. What's wrong with that? Nothing. It's fun. It's okay, a flying chitty, car. Chitty, There's your flying car. Oh, well, I know, but Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is a fantastic car movie. It is all about a car because Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is a car. Well, I know. Now, Dick Van Dyke stars in this, so obviously it's going to be pretty awesome. Right. Dick Van Dyke's awesome. Especially since he does not do a British accent in this one. Right. <laughs> of course. Uh, he plays an inventor who rebuilds a car and adds all sorts of secrets, including the ability to fly. Now, here's something that people don't realize is that Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was written by Ian Fleming, author of the, the James, James Bond, Bond series. <laughs> I don't think so. I knew hence, that. all those secret gadgets on Chitty Chitty Bang oh, Bang. Oh, that makes sense. How fun is that? Yeah, but then Disney took it over and it's just like, oh. I know, but this is live action. I mean, I think there's still animation stuff in it. I mean, they, yeah, they, I think it so. gets pretty whimsical, but the. Uh, it's it's a fun movie about just a car and these adventures. I mean, like it, I'll just tell you one of the scenes is at one point he, he's telling the story uh, about Dick Van Dyke's telling the story about how Chitty Chitty Bang Bang has people trying to steal it. And they're on the beach and they're telling the story. And before they know it, they're they're sort of landlocked because the tides come in and they get attacked by pirates. I remember that. See, it's it's fun. And, and, and you remember the uh, the whistle candy that he made at the Toot Sweets? i'd forgotten about that (laughs) toot sweets that's his big idea at the start and dogs attack the factory Mm -hmm. (laughs) i need to watch that again it's a fun movie i can't remember the last time i actually saw the movie we went and saw the play out at starlight like i just came most that's been like here's the deal five or six years i I like this movie and it's a children's movie so it's sort of like a you know I, i would say later children like not teens quite yet would be would be appropriate audience for this, <laughs> like, but the uh, like tweens. Well, I wouldn't. I would call them. I wouldn't say like. I would say five years old to you know twelve would probably be the ideal audience for this. And Fred <laughs> and me. But here's the thing: is that I I wanted to put this on here mostly because there are good kids movies with cars, and I don't conclude cars in that. <laughs> my goodness. So that's that's the only children's movie that's on my list. Okay. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. What's your number four, Nicole? My number four probably should have been my number five because I actually like speed more. Yeah. Rat race. Hmm. They're all in cars. Yeah. Racing to get to the end of the... Right. And... Now, is, is this like a remake, though? Is Rat it is, race, it's, it's a, a remake. remake, yeah. And I, can't, I, I don't remember if the original was actually called Rat Race or not. I don't know. But it was a funny movie. It's got a John Lovitz... <laughs> In it. Well, it's what it's got. I think it has Seth Green in it too, doesn't it? I 
Oh, I can't remember. But it's it's got a bunch of people in it that it's it's another one of these like you take a bunch of celebrities who aren't like the top of the top you know top of the heap. Yeah, they, and they, they just, were all doing pretty good you just and throw never them not really at one doing movie. much. Yeah, you throw a whole bunch of people at one movie and and Mr. And yeah, Mr. Bean's in there. Um, and yeah, it, it's fun. It is a good one, and I haven't seen it in years. I it's need to watch fun. it again. All right, well, I, in 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 the same vein, I'm going to go back. 20 years earlier than that and call Cannonball Run my number four. See, I knew that was going to be a Cannonball years. Run is a goofy, you know, throw every star that, that's not doing anything at the moment in this movie kind of movie as well. Because let me list some people off because this is a lot. Dean Martin, the singer. Sammy Davis Jr. The singer. The singer. <laughs> Burt Reynolds. Dom DeLuise. Jackie Chan. Roger Jackie Moore, Chan is in that? Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> There's so many. Like, and it's it's an early '80s movie. Since you know, judging by the list of people I'm naming, you'd know it's that old because you know, I don't. I, Sammy's not alive anymore. <laughs> Did Jackie Chan do his own stunts in that one? Of course, Jackie Chan. Uh, he's in that movie, and it's funny because I think in Jackie's somewhere in, in an interview, Jackie said that he could barely speak English at all, and <laughs> just just showed up, did that movie, and didn't know what to think of it, and went back to. <laughs> Hong Kong afterwards. That's awesome. Um, but it's a cross country rally, and it's in the set in the United States. It's not an amazing movie, but uh, these kind of movies just aren't really made that much anymore. Like a, a recent uh, version of this would be The Expendables, where you get a bunch of people. They're kind of has beens. I mean, yeah. you don't want to say that because it's mean, but that's kind of what what it is: is people who aren't really well, sought after who Bruce still who need a project. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's. Uh, well, all those guys. Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> What's the last Bruce thing he Willis, did? Rocky, whatever. Sean claude Chuck Norris. Yeah. You know, nobody's beaten down the door. Everybody talks highly of Chuck Norris's toughness, but nobody's beaten down the door to hire that guy as an actor right now. <laughs> What's your number three? My number three <clears throat> is a horror movie. <laughs> Christine. Oh. Based on the Stephen King novel. About a teenage right. guy who finds his dream car, which is, is a total pile of heat. Is this a Chevrolet? Is that what he's driving? I think it is. Is it like a 57 or something? 57 Chevy, maybe. Something I don't like know. that. It's one of those big old 50s cars. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the car has a history of killing everybody around it. Like, uh, it starts, like, the movie starts off with it being built on the factory floor. Right. And the radio comes on and... and uh, that some guy's underneath the hood or and he like <laughs> leans out and his hands in there and it like crushes. His this is hand. the origin of Christine. They just like, were like, there's no reason the there's radio no just reason. came on. It was just on. Yeah. Cuts the guy's hand off. Novel. Somebody else ends up dying in the car. Then they finally get it out of the showroom, which I don't know how that happened, but they get it out of the showroom, sell the car. Somebody else dies in it. Then some old man, some old hillbilly looking man with his oh, wife God, beater on. Talks about how I his, got this car. his brother died My in that brother car. My brother died in that car. <laughs> and he's like, well, what do you want to sell her for? And he sells her for like uh, 200 bucks or $200? something. $200? That's Just how good? a mess of a car. It's a mess, but so, I think you could probably get a tow truck and take it out of here. <laughs> so anyhow, this kid takes it off and fixes it up and makes yeah. it this beautiful car. Right. He really shows it love. Oh, Yeah. And so, of course, the car loves him back. Oh. Until he gets romantic. a girlfriend, and then the car gets oh, jealous. Get rid of her. I know. So, <clears throat> And it just kind of goes from there. Uh, I seem to remember my, my fondest memory of that movie is 
he starts a fight at school and the kids break into the warehouse where he stores his car beats. They don't all just beat dents into it and just yeah. ruin his car and they leave and Christine fixes herself. Yeah. And you get to have this reverse footage of dents popping out and stuff. It's pretty and that's, awesome. That's fun. <laughs> it looks really good. good. It's an eighties movie again, you know, um, my number three, I have to do this because it's a modern movie, and I, I didn't want to seem like an old fuddy-duddy. You are. And how dare I you? I am. <laughs> I didn't want to seem like an old man who only picks old movies. Uh, but, you know, the most, the, probably the most popular car movie that's out now, car movie series, is Fast and the Furious. And I have a particular fondness for Tokyo Drift. And I, I don't know if it's very popular or not. I know I looked up Rotten Tomatoes, and it was like a 30%, and who cares? <laughs> those, those people need to get a bowl of well, popcorn the when they watch a movie. movie. That's one of the old ones. That's like 10, 12 <laughs> they years need to, old. Those guys need to eat popcorn when they watch a movie and enjoy it. Whatever. I'm just saying, this is the last one, I think, that came out before it got ridiculous. Before they started doing stuff like not like ignoring physics and how, how much... But that's what people like about those movies. Oh, that's that's fine. That's what that's what it's become at this point. But this is this is back when they were still like focusing on racing and not being like international criminals that drive fast cars. This <laughs> just turned into garbage. <laughs> but the uh, but obviously the the movie is a dumb plot. It doesn't even matter. But this is the thing about the, the racing scenes. Is it like while I was making this list, uh, and this is a spoiler. I, I looked at Gone in 60, 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage and was just like, these are boring car race scenes. And this is only like a 15-year-old a movie. Mm-hmm. And I looked at Tokyo Drift and I was like, this is way cooler. And how old is it? I don't know. Last <sighs> year? Came out last year? Tokyo Drift? You're crazy. <laughs> You're crazier. That was before Paul Walker died. Here's what's funny about the, uh, the Fast and the Furious is in the canon of this, it comes between like movie six and seven. <laughs> and it was the third movie that came out. 2006. That's not that long That's ago. That's 11 years ago. <coughs> 10. You are an it's old quite. man. You're a fuddy-duddy. Did you have a newer one than that? No. Then shut it. I know. Got it. <laughs> What's your number two before my, I go to even older movies? My number two <laughs> is uh, Back to the Future. Oh, that is kind of a car-centric I movie. I, I don't like it, but that's fine. You don't like it? I don't like that as a Get pick out of for my a house. car movie. Let's be honest. It was more about the time travel than it was the car. The car was the time travel. <laughs> you build a time machine out of a DeLorean? Oh, I'm not having it. I even played the video game. It was fun. Yeah? It's kind of... I mean, it was like a point-and-click adventure, <clears throat> but it was fun. It was well done for a point-and-click adventure. I will say adventure. this, that a... It's well worth the 10 bucks a, I spent. A convicted Coke dealer's car wouldn't have sold so much if it hadn't been for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that guy was... He, his whole his whole business went down in flames. They had like... Uh, there was the DMC, and they had like two versions of it, and that was it. His, his steel... You know, stainless steel, stainless steel, heavy car company went down in, in a puff of white dust. Yeah. <laughs> um, my number two, Mad Max, the road warrior. Hmm. I think this, this is a the car movie. Yes. There's like over a 20 minute chase scene with with giant spiked cars and stuff and huge stunts and stuff going on, you know, mm-hmm. jumping in between vehicles and all kinds of stuff. And and I know that they, you know, a lot of people might say, well, what about that new Mad Max? Look, tried it, didn't like it. It was okay. Didn't like it. I like Borderlands, the game, better than that movie. I, which... I thought it was okay. I thought the movie never made me fall in love with anybody. No. Like, I didn't care. 
Every, everybody could go down in flames. I wouldn't care. I, don't, I even fell asleep at part of it. Like, e- they even go back to the town and they sort of like, you're supposed to feel good for the townspeople or feel bad for the townspeople. I just didn't care. Yeah. They they, they paint Plus a they picture of incredibly despicable people have all around. Tina Turner singing. Not well that that was in part three, oh, not in Road sorry. Warrior. You're thinking Thunderdome. <laughs> sorry. In My this bad. movie in this movie it opens up with Mad Max in his car. Now Mad Max, let's be honest, I just talked about despicable people. Mad Max is out for himself. He is. Well, it's like the end of the world. Right. Everybody's out for themselves. But he does in this movie he shows up and he finds someone like a, a, a basically a, a compound of of in, you know, mostly innocent people. They're a bit despicable too. They do betray him at one point, <coughs> but I'm not going to go into that because I'm not going to spoil movies and stuff, but yeah, they do hire whatever. him. To, it, that, that movie is old enough. See, people should have seen it by now no. or they probably don't care. They, they hire him to, uh, to drive, you know, to escort a big gas tanker out of the wastelands. And of course there's this gang by this guy. Uh, I can't remember his name. I want to say humongous, but it's something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Mongus. But the, uh, <laughs> he's got this guy, uh, and, and, and <laughs> Mr. he's. Mr. Mongus. Sorry, I'm going to laugh for a second about that. <laughs> he, uh, they're, they're driving outside of the, of this compound and this guy's got a huge gang of people that are all savages and they're like, you know, they'll murder anybody who walks out there. Now this, this is a really violent movie. I mean, there's all sorts of blood and guts and stuff like that. But what's so fun about it is that this was a really, this is a really low budget movie done in Australia on no budget at all. And it's all practical effects. And I mean, the only thing that's noticeable that that's kind of schlocky a little bit is they do speed up the footage on how fast the cars are going. Oh yeah. And you can see it's noticeable because the, everybody's moving a little bit, you know, in human speed. Right. Slightly. The cars can go faster, but you can't see people moving on them and know that they're moving not moving too fast. Right. Uh, so other than that, it's really cool. And I know, I know the new road warrior, tri- new Mad-, Mad Max tried to do lots of practical effects, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I don't know how many digital fireballs I saw coming off of it and how much, how many times I was like going, that didn't look practical to me. This giant sandstorm doesn't look practical to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just I don't know if if you like those old kind of movies and this is gritty and this this has Mel Gibson back when I liked Mel Gibson, you know, <laughs> back when he wasn't totally crazy, like when he wasn't a, a psycho that I know of. So, anyways, Mad Max Road Warrior, best Mad Max there is. Sorry, okay. still. All right. Your number one, Nicole. My number one. Right. National Lampoon's Vacation. The family Come truckster on. is a character in its own. It is not. That is a car movie. Is, it's mean, a road trip. <laughs> this is this is too much of a stretch. That that movie is about a, no no no. I looked w. online. Griswold. I looked online, and it even listed it under car movies. Ha ha. Those Ace. people are crazy people. <laughs> did Mel Gibson make that list? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> he, he must have been the one who did that list. I'm just saying. The whole thing I'm going to tell you place. that that's a funny no, okay. bit at the front Here's, of the movie, and it doesn't even matter the rest of the movie. It does. How that, that car plays a character in the whole movie. When does when does it matter? I mean, of course, he does jump it. I guess. I guess it's. I, I'll give you yeah. this. It's a road movie, so I'll let you do that. Thank you. But I wouldn't say the car's that important most the of the time. The car is totally important. <laughs> no way. It's metallic P. <laughs> They they tie Aunt Edna to the top of it. What was he trying to get before? The sky blue. Antarctic blue. Antarctic blue. What was it? I don't remember. I don't know. 
but it wasn't the family truckster. In metallic P. In metallic P. Eugene Levy. I love Eugene, Eugene Levy. Right. His eyebrows were just as big then. They, I don't think they've ever been small. Well, we'll move on. We'll agree to this. Because disagree. you hate my choice in My movies. number one is so much better oh, than well, that. Oh, wait, wait. Can matter. I guess? You've already looked at it. No, I didn't look. What'd you guess? I didn't look. Okay. Please don't say bullet. No. Okay, good. Because the only thing about that one that I think is really, really charming is that you see the same Volkswagen like over and over and over again, and that's pretty fun. I think what's charming about that one is you hear the same tire squeal fully used over and over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) What were you going to guess? I was going to guess bullet. It's not. (laughs) It's dual. Oh, I don't know that. Steven Spielberg's first movie he did. That's about a a truck. It's a car movie. Because the guy is truck. driving a car trying to get away from this truck. It's a truck And he movie. duels the truck with his car at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Okay. I'm not off on you this one. You let me have a bus movie, I'll let you have a truck movie. Right. Okay. <laughs> if you want speed, you have to give me duel because it's way more a car absolutely. movie. Absolutely. Considering the protagonist drives a car through the whole movie and he's in his car and it's set in his car. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So honorable mentions. No, I want to tell a little more, more about Duel because okay, this game, this 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 movie <clears throat> is a an exercise in tension, and it's it really shows. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you watch this, you will have no doubt why Steven Spielberg rose to the level of fame that he did, because this movie will grab you and keep you for an hour, like an hour and fifteen minutes. It just you can't break out of it. And you're just, you you want this guy to survive so bad uh-huh. because it's basically this guy's driving down the road and there's this big jalopy looking truck in the front of him, like, you know, mostly rust and oil coated and just disgusting and putting up a big black cloud of smog every time it revs its engine. And this guy passes it. He's like, get out of my way. And he's a sales guy going across the desert between towns. Uh-huh. All of a sudden the truck's like right on his butt and it's bumping him and it's honking its horn. And he, he's like... He keeps speeding up, speeding up, speeding up. Now he's going like 90 and the truck's still with him. And he's like, why was this truck going so slow a second ago? (laughs) And so he pulls off the road and the truck goes by him and honks the horn. He's like, there, you jerk. Starts driving down the road and all of a sudden that truck pulls out from behind some rocks and it's right behind him again. And it just terrorizes him for 75 minutes. That's awesome. It's, It's an amazing car movie. Okay. Duel. Duel. If you haven't watched it, why? <laughs> Stop wasting your time. Old. <laughs> no, it, it is. It is old, but it's it amazing. Old. It's yeah. amazing. Doesn't matter. The the tension translates. I just watched it, it within the last six months, and I loved it. Yeah. Better than every other one of these on my list by a mile. Hmm. Awesome. What's your honorable mentions? I've got three. I knew you did. I actually don't have <laughs> any honorable mention movies, but I have an honorable mention moment. What? That I'll talk about after one of yours. Okay. Uh, right now. Something I gave another chance was Talladega Nights. No. And here's what's funny about Talladega Nights is I watched it and I thought that was a little better than I remember. And I went to, I went to work and I go, I was like, yeah, Travis, he goes, did you do anything fun over the weekend? I go, well, I watched Talladega Nights and then he starts quoting it. I just start laughing and I'm like, oh my goodness. No, not my movie. It's, it's so funny when when someone's quoting it in front of you in a, in a ballroom. (laughs) It's so much fun. No. I've had a lot of fun with Talladega Nights in the last few months because he knows a ton of quotes from that movie. Mm-hmm. You want another one? Yeah. Bullet. Ha! Bullet's got, it, it, Bullet's backdrop is really fun. And it's it's somewhat like uh, The Rock. 
I love The Rock. The Rock has That's an amazing movie. car chase scene as it well. It does. Nick Cage. Right. And, it's uh, awesome, by the way. I think both of them take place in San Francisco, don't uh-huh. they? Yeah. And so you got that really dynamic landscape. Like, there's no city that looks like San Francisco. I'm just telling you, I've been there, and I've been to a lot of other cities, and that, that hilly area is absolutely unique to their town. Yeah, it's really interesting. And uh, these car chases take... Like who would build a city <coughs> on top of all those hills like that? It's I don't just know. nuts. The bay is too cool, is why. Well, that's, yeah. But the... Uh, and, and those both have a great backdrop. And my third mention is this. Now, this one... I don't know if you'll call it a car movie, but I I think it is, and I and I found people listing it on their car movies, and that is Rudger Hauer and and the Hitcher. And the Hitcher. Oh my God, I love that movie. Right, that's so good. That is a car movie. You're right. I it's, almost yeah. It's it's a guy traveling around in his car. He picks up a hitchhiker who reveals himself as a serial killer. He ditches him, and then he over then he like comes then he just starts getting terrorized. It's right in the same vein as Duel again, mm-hmm. of just these this tense movie that just you just you feel exhausted when you're done watching it they did a remake of that too though right and it just does not have the same who is it tension. c thomas howell in it with him c thomas howell in the right. original yeah and rudger and howard don't bother with the new one no don't it. bother with the new one because i mean it's just i've watched it and it's just there's something about the tension in that original that just gets well, let's you. be honest why do they remake movies because the original movie was really good right exactly does that mean they're going to make it good again no, no it's like lightning in a bottle yeah forget it yeah. Just watch the original movie. If someone right. goes, hey, I'm remaking House on Haunted Hill, just watch House on Haunted Hill. Skip the new one. I like the new I one. I don't care what you say. The original's better. It is, but it, I like the new one on that, at least. I mean, it was a completely different movie. This was not. This I'm was, saying don't discount that was the a first reboot. one just because they've a done remake. a dumb remake. Yeah, but there's a there's also, I will give you at least, there's a difference between a reboot and a remake. A reboot, okay, fine, is because as long as it's different enough that right. it's two completely different movies, right. I'll let you have it. A remake bothers the crap out of me because you can't do it. You well, like can't. I would, I would say that that uh, the latest Star Wars trilogy is a reboot. Yeah, because they're introducing all new characters and new villains and kind of restructuring how everything goes, and they're kind of like making you feel comfortable with some old canon. Yeah, but for the most part, it's a brand new thing. Like Poltergeist, right? That one was a remake, and it was awful. Yeah, just watch. It was Poltergeist. nothing different. Poltergeist is it was awesome. just modernized. Oh my gosh, they have cable now. Right. What would we do? Right. Half of the creep was was the fact that, you know, the, the TV goes to static in the middle of the night. Let me and ask that's you that's how they get Nicole. to you. What were you wanting to say to me? Oh, car, car moment. Best car moment in a movie. Moment in a movie? Uh-huh. Why, I'm supposed to guess this? You're supposed to guess this. <sighs> two potentials. I'll give you two. Okay, here's my favorite, Okay. I, I like two things. Okay, uh-huh. one is I like the classic that shows up in all of Sam Raimi's exactly. movies. Exactly, it's exactly. The that's... other one is in oh. trauma movies. Yes, it's exactly it. The car keeps blowing up. Lloyd, Lloyd Kaufman, <laughs> the, the owner of Trauma Films, <laughs> reuses the same car flip over in, over in so many movies. It's again. hilarious. Yeah, like every time a car chase goes wrong, he has this stupid car flip over. And it's not even the same car. <laughs> like he'll be racing a Volkswagen, and it'll be the one that crashes, and yet it'll be this other car that blows up right. in the in the scene. Right in the classic, Sam Raimi has this one car. He calls it the classic, and it's in so many of his movies. It's like, in all it's of in, his in, movies. In Spider-Man movies, he, it's he in Dark it Man, in, it's in Evil Dead, it, Tombstone. It's in, he Is managed it, to get it in tombstone. Okay, what did he do with it? Didn't he cover it somehow? He covered it like to be to look like a wagon. Outrageous! See that guy's it's awesome. In all of his movies, in Spider Man and everything. 
All right, Nicole. I can't believe you guessed both of them. I love you, baby. Thanks. That's awesome. <laughs> but you know what we need to do? Finish this. We need to get to this car. Oh, we got to play a game. Playthrough review. Here we go. <laughs> The following is a true recount of a board gaming session. It is not merely a conversation. It contains the actual sounds of components, success and failure, and in-the-moment emotions from the incident itself. The archivists of this audio would like to remind the faint of heart that the people involved are not rules experts, did not design the game, and do not always play nice. No one was murdered in the playing of this game. All right, Nicole. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> this week we played Automania. Automania is a worker placement game of manufacturing and selling cars. Each player gets to pick a car manufacturer, each with a slight advantage or disadvantage from each other. Now, these companies come in one of four colors, and each one with their own factory board. These factory boards depict offices uh, where manufacturing managers will go, usually three of them. Also, three different cars that they can make. Each, uh, each one will have a path that travels through a series of manufacturing machines that affects the car's traits. Now, these three different cars, There's what? four managers. Four managers, okay. <laughs> three different cars are the family car, which travels through three machines, the small city car that passes through two, and the sports car, which will travel through four machines. Now, these paths also cross each other, so one machine might uh, uh, affect two different, usually will uh, could potentially affect two different types of cars. So each round, players take turns doing one of two actions. They either place a worker on a space or they will withdraw from the round. Now, players place one of their eight meeples on a space next to a 4x4 grid of tiles. These tiles are one of three types. They're either a new machine that is placed somewhere in your in your uh, assembly line, or a manager who is uh, placed in your, in your factory that becomes sort of an overall enhancement to all cars manufactured, or a cosmetic enhancement that's placed above a certain car type and will only apply to that car. Now, placing your meeple will generate an action of, of the space that you played on as well, and allow you to pick a, uh, and then allows you to pick the tile from the row or column you place next to. Now, these action spaces next to the tile grid will allow you to produce one of the three cars, or to gain a contract card. Now, once a meeple has been placed onto the action space, an opponent may also place a, a uh, place on that space by placing one more meeple than is currently occupying that space. Then they return the other meeples to the players that, or the other meeple that, to the player that use them so that they can play them again this round. Now, when producing a car, first you have to select the action space that determines which car you are making. Then the car moves through the assembly line, gaining popularity and in-demand traits as it is put together. Afterwards, you, uh, you decide which market you want to put it in. Uh, if you want to put it in the European market, it's more of a point-generating focus. If you want to put it in the United States market, it's a money-generating focus. Imagine that. Now, once you put them in those markets, you place them in in the uh, in a spot on a ship that matches their popularity level. And if the popularity level is high enough, you'll score points for the ship that you place them in. Now, after all of your meeples are used, you can choose to withdraw. Now, this is done by selecting a withdraw bonus space that tells how many cars that you're going to sell that round, and also tells it could also possibly add in a bonus factory tile or a contract card. 
Now, players decide if they want to sell their cars from the U.S. market and then the European market. Now, the sale is done in descending order, and usually the rewards will diminish as the cars are sold. Now, the board is then reset by placing all new tiles on the board and cycling the market demands. After four rounds of play, the player with the most points wins and is declared the best car manufacturer. That's all there is. That's it. That's it? <clears throat> That's how we play the game. We'll go into more details here in a second. Oh, Nicole, okay. Automania. Worker Automania. placement. This is like your favorite game. <laughs> worker placement games. Well, I like worker <laughs> placement. It's my favorite genre. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's just let's just pop into a clip real quick right now. Listen to the first couple turns and let's see how you do. Okay. Okay, Automania, uh, our North American market is looking for very Earth-friendly cars and safe. Boring. And the European market's looking for plenty of luggage, great handling, and safety. Right. Safety is a four. Handling's a three, luggage is a two. And we got green on four, safety on three, and green on two in North America. So Well, it's very hip right now. I know, it's ridiculous. So. Hippie, you mean. <laughs> Here we go. Um, so to start off with, I, my, my contract right now is to build a, a family car with a seven plus popularity. Um... I don't think I'm quite ready to do that. And there's no, this is what's terrible is look, there's no way to make our cars more green right now. Did you notice that? Wow. And there's only one spot to make them safe. I'm going to go ahead and take another contract card with my little worker guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take this safety guy. Okay. And <clears throat> man, it's a lot of like, we, in our opening market here, we've got like almost half the spaces are filled with just like, put a new muffler on it or put dice behind the mirror. Is this a good move? I don't know. Seems... Eh. All right. Um, <laughs> I will put this... Let me see how my track runs. I'm going to put this right here. Okay. Uh, yes. I put that right there and I get a new card. So I've placed it underneath uh, directly in path with my city car and across the path of my family car as well. Okay. Um, I get to pick a new car. And they've got what? A random one with any kind of or the dice upgrade. A city car with an eight plus and a safety. That seems like it's right up my alley. I'm going to take that one. Of course you are. Because I put that other one at the crisscross. Okay. Your turn, Nicole. Okay. Well, I'm supposed to <coughs> get a city car with a six or better. Yep. Which I can't do. Right. Right off the bat. So I don't know what to do. I don't know. What are you thinking? I'm thinking I don't know how to play this game well enough. I think you do. So whenever you build a car in this game, you have to equal these popularity and some of the certain well, okay. other things. But I think at the time that you do that, when you build the car, you can then spend those workers to boost its popularity, right? What? By putting workers here? Oh. Yeah. It doesn't say you must pay it. Um, on your factory board, if you have one assembly line for each type of car, okay, compare the demands. 
Uh, each demand is met by matching this machinery. Add together all visible stars along the assembly line on the manager tiles and styling tiles you have for this car. The total number is the popularity. Place the car in the ship space for the chosen market of the ship space. Matching the car's popularity is occupied. So yeah, you actually have to have it come out of... It sounds like you have to have it come out of the, of the, uh, <clears throat> out of the factory in that condition. But you can boost its popularity by going to marketing spaces. It says, when you produce a car, right before you place it on the ship, you may place workers on this space to increase the popularity. So that just helps if I you build, sell it if I build a six car, then I can like boost it by two to go here. Correct. Okay, but I have to have it built to be a six to meet that. Meet right. my Meet my card. Correct. Blah, blah. <clears throat> well, that's like impossible. Is it impossible? Yes, right now it's impossible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Goodness. Well, so I guess I'm going to do the card. Okay. And... Do the card and... I'm, I guess I'll take the... The double star? Token? See, this sounds bonkers. I think you should be able to play these guys in order to produce more popularity when you produce. Because he did that, didn't he? I don't know. Yeah, when you produce it, before you place it on a ship. If you choose production, you must pay the cost and produce the type of card shown in the corner space. You choose what type of card you want to produce and pay the corresponding cost. Oh, see, I don't think you have to actually match the card. This just scores you bonus points at the end of the game or some other bonus thing. You can produce a car however you want. Because you can produce a car that has one star of popularity. But if you want to fulfill this contract and get this $3 or these three bonus points, you have to match those things. Uh, you understand? No. Yes, you do. No. <clears throat> well, whatever. I'm still going to just put this there. I don't even know why. I don't know what the point is. Okay, I'll show you how to do this, okay? Here we go. So I'm going to produce the family car, which is going to cost me oh, $2. Oh, I didn't get a card. Okay. So I'm going to produce a family car that is going to cost me $2. I'm trying to decide what I want to do because I might hire a manager because I can hire a manager for free. I am. So I'm going to produce a car right here. Okay? So... Because I'm producing that car, it's going to cost me $2. So here's 5 right. and I get $3 back. Okay. Okay, so this car is going to get produced, but I have to, before I do the action, I have to pick up a tile and place it. So I place a new manager right here that cost me $1 to hire him, but now he produces one more star on my cars. Okay. Okay? So now I have a, a family sedan that's going through, and I've got one, two, three, four, five popularity of this car going out, right? Right. So it goes here. Now, if I want to, I can play two more workers when I produce a car before I place it on the boat to boost it popularity. To boost its popularity. Okay. So I do, which then completes this contract because now I've produced a seven plus popularity so card. So now you get three dollars right $3 now. I get three dollars back and I get a, I get a point on the board because I put it on a boat with one point. So I go up one point. Oof, though. <clears throat> okay, your turn. Okay, well then I should have done something different. Well, I burned a whole bunch of workers just there, so. Well, I'm gonna have to. Okay. 
Okay, so and then these things don't change until the next round, right? Right, until the end of the sales phase. Buh. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to spend a dollar to build a car, and I'm going to take a city car. this, build a city car. Took a handling tile. Right. And you placed it where in your factory? There. <clears throat> okay, right underneath her city car and still in line with her family car. Right. So in the top center spot of right. machinery. <clears> okay. <throat> yes, and that cost me a dollar, so I need a dollar back, please. Okay. Okay, so then... I'm going to Europe apparently because that's the only way I can get any points. So that's going to give me three points for that. Right. And then I still need three more points to even. Well, if I okay, so it would give me three points. But if I go ahead and spend three workers, that'll boost me up to my six. Right. To get this, to get three more dollars. Okay. So I'll take three dollars. And then what do I do with this card? You put it underneath your little factory. All right, Nicole, that is the first couple of turns, and we talked about some elements that need a little bit more explaining, okay? All right. So let's talk about contract cards, okay? So first uh, first off, contract cards are, are in a deck, and they are actually placed in a market kind of thing. So they've got a face-down deck, and you have three face-up next to them to choose from. Now, you can also pick the blind one from the top of the deck. Now, these market cards, they're pretty important, aren't they? <coughs> They did end up being pretty important, yes. Right. They didn't start out seeming all that important. Now, what do they do? What do they do that's so important to you? Well, okay. The reason they didn't seem that important at first is because right. you start off with a contract. Right. You get a starting one. And that one gives you money. Right. That's the only one in the whole game that gives you yeah, money. Yeah, I didn't realize that until like the end of the game, just <laughs> so you know. I thought there was going to be other ones that came out with money. But the rest of them do what? They give you points. Right. And the way they give you points is they tell you a certain type of car, car. Sometimes it's a wild. You can pick one of the three. But most of the time they tell you a certain type and they tell you certain traits that have to be on it and how popular it has to be right. in order for it to qualify for this contract. Now, if you ship that, you get a certain number of points. And uh, how many was it? Like usually... Between two and four. Right. <laughs> now, we get to, you get to start with one that gives you money. So you do get a little boost in money and it's pretty easy to match that uh, amount. Uh, also, these uh, cards depict. Uh, never mind. I already read that. Uh, now, also something else that they <laughs> that we didn't talk about right now is uh, we didn't talk about the market demands. There's these little circular chips on each side, like one for the American market and one for the European market, and they tell you certain traits. The traits are like, uh, you know, green, mm -hmm. uh, eco-friendly, spacious, and uh, good handling, handling speed. Uh, safety. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think those were the five types. I think so. Now, these things are like uh, mixed up every turn, and they're dealt three in a row, and there's two on top that could potentially become the next in-demand thing. And the way that these work is the top, the top one that's closest to the pair is worth two bonus points if your car has that trait and, and popularity, bonus popularity. The next one down is three, and the last one, the, the one that's going to leave the market now, or like after this next. turn is going to have four popularity bonus that it's going to give you. And whoever's the last player starting the next turn 
gets to pick which ones go in at the top, which between the two that are at the top get to go in. And they cycle the other ones around to the top of the other market. So the the one, the European bottom one goes to the American market and vice versa. Right. So when you're doing these, these tiles, you really are trying to match up those symbols more than anything, because that's where I seem to get most of my points. Right? Yeah. What about you? And as you well, do I it, wasn't very good at that part, so <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I mean, that that's... It made sense. Right. It made sense more after, like, by the second round, it made more right. sense. That first round, I screwed it all up, and I was trying to take, uh, you know, enhancements that really weren't going to get me more of the bonus popularity, right. because I didn't realize how important the popularity was. Right. Because the popularity is how you get the victory points in the end, mm-hmm. but that's, I... Something else that you hear me do in there is you hear me uh, boost my popularity on the way out of the market or out of the out of the factory. And you can do that because there's a marketing space. And if you're willing to burn your workers, just like throw them away for the turn, you can generate either one dollar of money, which is what how you buy cars to manufacture or start mm-hmm. the manufacturing process. You have to pay for them up front. <laughs> and it's one for a city car, two for a family car and three for a, for a sports car. And you can actually boost that popularity and, and, and raise your level in the boats. And this is kind of important because when you go on a boat and you're tied for popularity with someone else, you're going to take the next spot below them. And you don't want that. You want to be more popular at the end of the round so that you sell before them. Because remember, selling happens in descending order. Mm-hmm. So, and, and like I said, the rewards get worse as you wait to sell. Right. So that that is something else you can do. But... <clears throat> Let's just jump in a couple turns later and listen to a selling phase right now, okay? Okay. That was a stupid mistake. Can I retcon my turn? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can I can make like a lot more points if I do if I retconned it. Well then hey, by all means. There. Okay. Oh my gosh. Retconned. All fine, right. fine. Uh, so I want this family truckster. Fine. This one. Yeah. Do you want me to hand it to you? I will. No, I don't. Okay. I don't want your help. You're too mean. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> then um, we get to go to the markets. You have the top card in the United States market. Would you like to sell it or do you want to keep it there? Um, I would like to sell it. Would you like $6, $6 or $3? $6. 6 Yeah. I need the money. You're very confident about your money needs. So you sell this for 6 Now I have the second highest. And I think I will sell it for four. Okay. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I just need it. And I have the third largest. I could sell it for $2, or I could sell it for one and a point. Mm. I feel like I just need the money, so I'm going to take it, the $2. I'll just take it. Okay. <clears throat> All right. I have the highest in Europe, and yep. I'll take the six points. So I go up to 31. Sorry, 32. Okay. And I have the next highest. I will, man, this is a tough decision. I want four points or two bucks and two points. Up to you. I want the two bucks and two points. Okay. Here are your two dollars, my lady. Thank you. And... My last guy, he's a nine in the European market. I can sell him. I have three cars. Oh, I've already sold three. That's it. That's all I can sell. Oh, yeah, you're done. And you've sold two, so yep. we're done. All right. 
Okay, but this isn't the only way to make points. Uh, the you got these the two markets you know that you've got to sell, and let's just talk a little bit about how the points work here, because what what you've got is uh, in the two markets. I, t- I said that in the in the in the sort of rundown of the rules, the American market has two spaces. They either generate six dollars or they generate three points and three dollars and the european market's the same except for one thing they generate six points or three dollars and three points and then it continues like that down like the next level what was it like four points or four dollars and two and two Uh i think is what it was and then the last one was like two or one and one right and then you couldn't sell after that uh another thing to, to know is that when you end those spaces um you do only get to sell a certain number, like whenever you pick that ending thing. Like so, yeah. When you when you go to pass your turn, right? Um, the first person to pass gets to choose: do they want to sell two cars that round? Mm-hmm. Do they want to sell two cars, but also get a, a bonus tile? Do they want to be able to sell three cars and get a right. new contract, or do they want to be able to sell an infinite number of cars? So re- really, you're looking at, like the whole time you're looking at your your factory, and you're really paying attention to this market, and you're trying to get the machines into your factory, and you're, you're looking ahead, because you know what's coming down, because the two is going to be three next round, uh-huh. and the three is going to be four next round. So you're trying to make sure you get these paths, and you're also trying to find ways, especially with those sports cars. They cost three to produce. But they can generate up to four bonus tiles on the way down, way through the factory, or four machine tiles. Plus, plus you. Uh, so I mean, you're, you're, you've got this really big formula you're going through, and you kind of have to count it out. And you hear that in the selling phase, uh, or in the manufacturing phase, because I'll have a, a spoiler, for instance, that goes on the car that's up above the car type that I'm doing that's worth a point, and then I have a factory manager who's worth a point extra whenever I produce a car, and then I go to this machine, which is on this level of the market track, and then I go to this next one that's on the same level, and then I go on this other one that's on another level, and you start adding all this stuff up, and then when it comes out the factory on the other side, I can then throw meeples on top of it to make it even more popular, because it's all about trying to have that highest space and and be the one who sells for the biggest reward. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you don't have to sell either. You could wait if you think next round you're going to have a nice top spot. But cars go up as you go through the game, don't they? Oh, yeah. They go up in popularity because you get more experience in making them, I guess. <laughs> right. Let's check on a later game turn. Let's just see how expensive or how popular these cars can get, okay? Okay. Game gets quieter as we go along. It does. I'm going to take a card. Right. With this chick. Okay. And so it cost me two dollars. Two dollars. Okay. And I get a card. Okay. Daw. Well. Wouldn't matter. I got my dice elsewhere. I'm gonna do a card as well. Okay. I'm gonna take this speedometer. And I'm going to replace this luggage, and I'll take the sports car speedometer card, please. Okay. Your turn. Okay. I'm going to buy a family truckster. Okay. For $2, I'm going to take the greens and replace my luggage. So that goes away. Okay. Um, Okay, so my truckster gets me... One, two, three, seven, ten in Europe. Okay. 
which will give you two points if you don't boost. You want to boost it? I am going to boost it by two just in case. So it gives me two points. Okay. And it meets my requirement of my car ordered by Sawada Taiju. Oh, yeah, a green family truckster. Yep. Okay, I'm going to produce a supercar. Right there. It's three bucks. And I'm going to take this crazy chick, I think, but I can't do anything with her if I do. I guess I have to take this. And I'll just replace this one with a metal that didn't have a metal before. Uh, then my supercar rolls off the line. And it's got two for the spoiler, one for my manager. So that's three. Plus a steering wheel is four, so there's seven. Plus a speedometer, eight, nine. Plus a steering wheel is 13. Plus a steering wheel is 17. And I'll throw in a guy just to make it 18. So you can go on the fancy boat? Well, I don't need to, though. It's not going to get me anything. I just, I just plop in. Just well, no, I would be the highest in the market, though. Yeah, I throw a guy in, because then I would still get the highest purchase right well, there. You're going to be with 16 anyway. <clears throat> Maybe. I don't know. What can you do? I get two points. One, two. I just do it, so don't worry about it. Fine. Your turn. Oh, and I complete a 14 plus with a speedometer. Ah, Lamborghini. You're so beating me. It's just not even funny <laughs> how bad you're beating me. You're so good. You're doing fine. No. No, I'm not. <laughs> yes, you are. I promise you. All right, so back to the game. Now, mid-game, the tiles switch from type A to type B, you know? Mm -hmm. And that just simply double. Most of the time, they just simply double the bonuses, but they also start doing something else weird that seems they start adding in, like, bonus points, you know? Mm -hmm. Are you paying attention to me? I am. I'm reading what you Stop wrote. Stop reading. I can't help it. Um, so they, they start giving you like tile bonuses and stuff like that and, and like bonus points at the end of the game. Now, all these little like uh, medals that you get like on these tokens and also on your manager and also on your contract card all become like bonus points at the end. And I know you were kind of wondering, why don't I just get those points right now? But it does kind of give you this weird bonus round where people have seen you score these cards, but how many do you actually have? Who knows? <laughs> well, now, the reason, yeah, but that's be, it was because of that initial uh, money card that I was like, why don't I score them now? I got my money right now. Why don't I get my points right now? Right. Well, because none of the other ones have money. That's why. Right. So at the end of the game, we're about at the end of the game at this point. Now, you get, uh, you can, you're, we're going to add up all our bonus cards to score, uh, to get our score, plus all the tile bonuses, plus the manager bonuses. Then we are also going to give, we're going to get a point for every $3, I think, that we have. And then also the person with the most money is going to get 10 bonus points. So let's just hear how Huge. that goes for us, okay? Yeah. All right, so now we're at the end of the game. Okay, so and now we got to do... Okay, each unsold card gets you... Okay, in North America, I get a point or a dollar? You get one dollar. Okay, that doesn't help me at all. In but... Europe, you get a point. Okay, so you get one point. No, you don't have any points. No. Okay, so <clears throat> this car goes away. Okay, so <laughs> then we do we do our money, and I have five, okay, you six, have the seven, most, eight, easily. nine. So I get ten points. And what am I at? So I'm you're at 38, so you're now at 48. Right. Right. Okay, then we go our little... We count all Thingies. our little medals. Yeah, and then that's it. Okay, so I'll count them silently. 
Okay, I have 26 additional points. Aw, I got 20. Aw, close, Nicole. It was pretty close. Well Closer done. than I thought it was going to be. Well done. And you win. By three points is all. <laughs> that money bonus is a butt kicker at the end, That's isn't it? That's huge, yeah. And that is another Fred win, Nicole. Of course. <laughs> but let's, let's, uh, let's talk about this, okay? What do you like about this game? Why do you always ask me first? I'll, I'll go first you if go you want first. me to. Okay, one of the things I really like about this game is of these type of games that have this sort of, uh, you know, very mechanical, cent, you know, centered game, I really like them to last right around an hour. Yeah. For me, I, I've got a sweet spot for these little games like this, and they're somewhere around 60 to 75 minutes maximum. No less than 45. For some reason, less than 45, and I feel like I didn't even have a chance but if True. they're over, if they're 45 minutes to, to 75 minutes, I feel like I got the right amount and that I actually played a significant game and I'm good. At that point, I'm done. Yeah, I'll agree. <laughs> and this fits right there in that, it fits, that yeah, it's block a good, for It's me. a good length of time. It's just like uh, that World's Fair game that we talked about earlier. That felt exactly the same, hit that same sweet spot for me and I like it. Like that, that was two player. If we played this four player, it would definitely add a lot more time to it. So this one, mm-hmm. maybe I don't know. Two player, I really liked it how it felt. Yeah, but now two player, it probably was more cutthroat than it would have not normally been. But I don't think so. I really wasn't going after you. You know what would have changed in four player? What in our two player game? Now this is something else I liked. Whenever you play a worker placement game, other people block your space that you want. Right. <laughs> in this game. You cannot block another space as long as someone has workers left. They can just play more workers than you had on the space and get rid of your guy. So there's oh, no space changed. blocking. It's really cool. And the, and the money space and marketing space are open spaces that can have as many meeples on it as you put on them. Well, and with the with the two player, there wasn't always it. It seemed too uh, risky to knock your guy off and put more meeples on to take take that space again. Right. It didn't In seem a four-player game, you'd be you doing that all the time. Yeah, better you, it would be mandatory. Be low. That's you know? interesting. I would be. A, I would like to try that variation. Um, so I really like that. There's the length of it. I really like that. There's no worker placement like burn. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I really thought it was pretty simple, but I felt like I had plenty of decisions to make every turn. I mean, there were plenty of moments where we kind of were like. Mm. And it does have that slowdown effect as you get late in the game where you're kind of having to think a little more and optimize those points at the end, which is exactly what these games are supposed to have. Right. Really, the it's good versions of this give burn. you that that they become more difficult as you go. Right. It should. <laughs> um, and I, I just I would like to describe this as sort of just it feels like a nice tight experience. It didn't feel like there were any loose ends or any kind of like, I don't really agree with that thing, but I guess I just had to put up with it. Mm-hmm. I felt like, I mean, even when I lost lost the first place car or whatever on a round or whatever, I still was just kind of like, well, I mean, I didn't get the first place. Right. I could have I could have focused harder to get that top space, but I didn't want to. I needed to do other things, you know. So I didn't feel regret. Yeah. You know, which is nice. What about you? What do you like? I like that there was the right amount of symbols in the game. Right. There's not so many that you're just like, oh my gosh, what did that mean again? Right, there's there like were, eight. <laughs> yeah, but it was enough. It was enough to feel like, okay, there's some definite variety going on right. with the board, uh-huh. but not so much that you just couldn't remember what everything was. You right. know, once you kind of got it, it was it was good. Um, I think the most complicated part of it was like uh, there were bonus symbols on some of the tokens. Uh-huh. And again, there are things that you score later on. And right. that kind of threw me off for a minute, but... 
Right, because you're changing out machines and you're like, if I change out this machine, I'm going to change for a no-point machine I need to get popularity and give away a two-point machine. Right. Out of my factory. Right. It was cool. Yeah. What yeah. else? I like that you can get rid of certain machines to replace. Like It just didn't, it didn't necessarily matter. If you wanted to uh, get better handling in your, in your factory, hmm. you could just put it on any of the spots. It didn't matter. You'll lose what was there. Right. But you didn't have to just upgrade. Some of the stuff you did have to upgrade. Like your managers, you had managers that had better abilities. Right. Like there's like like four different managers. One of them was like a bald guy. Then there's like a kid. Um, and then a couple of girls in there. Mm-hmm. A blonde lady and a black lady. And uh, in order to upgrade their abilities, you actually had to replace that token. Right. And that, so that's, I mean, that makes sense. Thematically, that makes sense. You're right. This manager is who you hired and they get better at the job as they go. Right. But you can easily change a part of a factory and say, you know what, handling, nobody cares about handling, so we're going to redo this part of the factory and redirect them this way, and they're going to, you know, work (coughs) on safety this year. That Um, makes sense. Another thing I liked is I think that the learning point of entry on this is really low again. It's pretty low, yeah. It gives me a good sense of of one of these, you know, these very mechanical games, and, and it didn't feel overwhelming to learn. It felt like I got a good experience for not that difficult of a, you know, learning session. Yeah, I agree. Um, I also like uh, how vibrant it looks on the table. Yeah, it's really bright. Very bright. It's definitely different than what I thought it was going to be, though. I didn't quite, like, I don't know what I thought it was going to be, but just based on the the game board or the the picture on the front doesn't represent the game board itself. Like, I almost figured it was going to have something to do with, you remember that that little... uh, Game that what is it called? Oh, my brain is so little fried game. Out. What they're, they're, where you've got like the different cars and you have to move them around so that the one can leave the board, like by moving the tiles. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Are you talking about like a physical puzzle? Like a physical puzzle. I, like I, it's a physical. I, I know they exist. Game I've never board played one. and it'll have like all these little cars on there. Right. But you've got one rush that hour. you have to rush hour. Thank you. I thought maybe it was going to end up being something like that. I didn't have any idea that it was a worker placement right. based on the picture on the on the mm-hmm. the game itself. Right. So the artwork is a little misleading on the versus what you're actually doing in the game. I don't know. I, so I, think I guess that's cool. a dislike. I thought, I thought it looked really cool. <laughs> it uh, looks cool, but it wasn't what I thought. It was nothing like what I thought it was going to be. Um, this does have the problem of, you know, once again, the, the theme could be anything. Yeah, but that's pretty much any any worker placement game. Like there's, well, I mean, there's just, other, other than <laughs> that, the one thing I'll say they do right is the factory kind of feel where there's these conveyor belts that go through machines and you kind of line up the processes that are going to make it better sort of made me feel like I was playing in a factory. Yeah. But as far as what the factory is producing, the fact that it's auto mania, I did, it meant nothing. It could have been gumball mania. Right. It could be anything mania. Candy mania. (laughs) So I will say that. Do we want the bubble gum It could just be called factory guy. And it would, it would, that theme would be supported by this one mechanic. Everything else that had to do with automobiles just didn't, I, other than a couple cartoon pictures, it did nothing. Yeah. It was okay. As far as that theme part goes, it's just not great. That's my only complaint. They did an okay job with it overall, though. Like, I mean, having like the ships yeah. that were sailing off from Europe or from America, right. I mean, that made sense too. Mm-hmm. That's how you would sell those cars is put them on a ship, send them off to wherever. Kind. Here's a complaint I have too. What? Um, on the, there's like 
one big ship that goes like from one to four points. And then there's a ship to the side of it that goes from like five to 10 points. And then there's a great big ship that goes from 10 to, to 16 points or 17 points. And then there's this little tiny ship up at the front that's 18 plus points. Right, because there's no red tape on that little ship. It gets there first. It does, Who cares? If you're it's at a the, private yacht that delivers front only that car. Of the ship, you're getting there first anyway. It didn't make any sense. It does make sense. It's, ah. it's a private delivery of that one car. Who cares? Why would I push to get to The 18? only purpose of that is to say, I'm selling first. You're not selling first. I know, but it just, it threw me off because there's like a whole separate ship. It seemed like it should be something, well, and it's like, like it wasn't worth more points. If it was worth more points, like, okay, because the, the one through four ship or whatever was <laughs> worth one point. Right. The, ne- other one, the next one was worth two points. And then the big ship was worth three points. Right. But then this mega special, you're the only one that gets to ride right. in this it's, ship. It's the was private still delivery. Only, but it was still only three points. It should have been four points. If it was four points, it would totally make sense to me. But it wasn't. It was the same amount of points. So why have a whole nother ship? It was just trying to show. Crazy. It was just trying to show that if you had private delivery of your car, it would be there was no one who could do it faster than you. Who cares? It's the same amount of points. <laughs> Give me extra points. I do. I do understand where you're coming from because the bottom you. ship had zero. Then it was one. Then it was two. Then it was three. And then this other one was three. Yeah. And if it was four, you wouldn't would be mad sense. right now at all. No, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, oh, yeah, four points. That totally makes sense. I want that <laughs> ship. I really want to get to that ship. Nicole, As it was, I never wanted to touch that ship, that how, dirty three points, same as everything else ship. No, you're not getting my business. Let me ask you this. What? How difficult is this game from one to five? Well, if you don't have to explain why that ship is only worth three points, right. it was probably about a two. It's not that hard. Right. I it's say it's really a two. Hard. You go through the manual. It's it's harder than Monopoly to learn or something like that, you know, than a Parker Brothers typical <clears throat> game. But you, what, if you just go through the rules, you'll learn it fast and one round of play and everything makes sense. Yeah. I mean, everything. <laughs> and it, the theme does help to be able to explain it right. because, you know, you're you're moving it from your factory to the ship to, to earn right. the popularity. Once again, another theme that is going it to helps. be okay for people to play of yeah. every variety. People, right. Everybody drives cars and they all like understand that cars are manufactured. Exactly. And there's no dragons involved. That's true too. <laughs> um dragons I thought it was a two. Scary. I thought it was a two as well. Uh what would you give this out of five? Um I'd probably give it mm, I wish I could do a three and a half. I'll go four. I'm I going like, four. I'm going four. I'm going four. What I'm are you going to give four. World's Fair 1893? Oh, I really like that. I'd give that a high four, like a four and a half. I give it a four as well, just so you know. Okay. So that's our... I'm verging on five with that one. I really enjoyed it, except for the fact that I think that if I played it too many times too quickly, I'd get burned out. Nicole. Yes, sir. That is our review, and episode 57 has driven by. (laughs) Now, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for listening. If you have a comment or question, you could write to us at talkaboutboardgames at gmail.com. You can feel free to follow our Twitter at TA Board Games or like our Facebook or Instagram. Uh, make sure to take part in episode discussions on our guild. You can find it by going to talkaboutboardgames.com and clicking the forum, forums button at the top left of the page. Now, in two weeks, we are going to return with another episode when we play the 5 for 5 game that Nicole demanded that I play. 
<laughs> Cthulhu Flux. It's our it's next gonna feature. Be funny. You hate Flux. I love it. <laughs> thank you for that, Nicole, and thank you for listening. <laughs> well, I don't want to build one of these other cars. I know. I know. You should cry about it. <laughs> I don't want to build one of these other cars. <laughs>